Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 46. As parents, you have to let your kids experience things from a very young age without judgment. But even simple things like how to turn the hose on, disconnect the hose, water the plants. You know, there's a lot of research that shows household chores are a great way for kids to learn about responsibilities and and different things they can do. But kids need to work and understand the value of earning money Mm -hmm. and earning things that they want. Mm -hmm. And they need to communicate with people. And I think that you know, I know my mother from a very young age, you know, if I wanted more dance classes, she would say, earn it and figure it out. (laughs) And I did. I went to the dance instructor. I said, I want to take more dance classes. Is there something I can do to to earn that? And she goes, yeah, you know what? We need somebody to answer the phones, right? We have to let Mm -hmm. kids help the neighbors, do stuff, collect newspapers, whatever. We have to get them out there, handing out cups of water at 5K runs. Because the more we expose our kids to things, the more they can discover what their passions are. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD, or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you're going through your journey. Hey, my ADHD family, welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk, where we talk about all things ADHD. I have Lynn, who I've been hunting down, and I'm very excited to have her. We're going to get into her ADHD journey, and then we're also going to talk about her business around how do you find a career as a person that has ADHD. So Lynn, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Yakini. I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, the work you're doing is so wonderful. Keep it up. So I appreciate it. Thank you. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Oh my gosh. So this is what happens as you get older. Your story gets longer and longer. (laughs) It's like, how do I bring it down? Okay. So I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. Both of my parents were in the fashion industry and I followed it in their footsteps. I went to school at Cal State Northridge, studied business, went right into a management training program for Bullock's department store, and worked my way up the corporate ladder to buyer. And then I was recruited by Lord and Taylor. I was 26, 27, moved to New York City, lived in a fancy apartment. I bought for the petite sportswear department for all 50 stores. It was like a $20 million area of responsibility. And yeah, so that was, that was my introduction as a young girl to like corporate executive go. And then I got married, had kids. My oldest, who is now 28, has ADHD, but really was very determined at a young age that he just wanted to deal with it. And he still does, but he's so successful. I'm so proud of him. Regardless of his ADHD, he is a New York State trooper. He is a doctor's assistant for in an emergency Mm -hmm. room. 
He's been a paramedic. He's been a lifeguard. I mean, he's just doing amazing. But he still has his little tag, you know, to help him to calm. Uh, Then my youngest was born 25 years ago with a lot more complications. They were born with uh, cerebral palsy, uh, lost oxygen during birth, emergency delivery, needed a lot of therapy, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. Um, and I learned a lot, you know, fast. I had to about IEPs and 504s and school and, you know, how you have to really be there for your kids. You have to be their advocate from the beginning, from yes. early on, because I remember they almost wanted to put him in a different program that would have gone this way instead of this way. And if I hadn't stepped in and said, nope, mommy bear says that's not right. You know, I learned very fast. I also learned that people like me with ADHD. Now, mind you, I had no idea I had ADHD at the time. None. No clue. Um, I was married to a narcissist, which I found out was very ADHD to do that. I had no idea. Um, And I decided I needed to go back to school. I needed to have my own income. I needed to be able to support my kids. And I went back to school to become a teacher. So I took, so I have a master's degree in elementary and middle school education. And I went in my forties to school Nights, weekends, I worked during the day and I took care of my kids on the weekends and got 4.0 GPA with honors. And then, of course, I, one of the heads of the department said, Lynn, you know what? We need people like you in special education because you really get it. Mm. And Okay, so let's do another master's. <laughs> so I continued oh, and so got funny. a master's in special education. All from Adelphi, Adelphi University in Garden City. And then that was really where I learned about Temple Grandin Mm. and, you know, Tourette's and ADHD. And I worked with kids that were Down syndrome and, you know, severely mentally ill. And it was really hard and but it was interesting I loved it I really loved it and I was a teacher for 12 years so I worked in the New York City School District uh, in a middle school I was a special education teacher and the business slash computer teacher and I ran the IEP 504 program for the school I had to sign off on every single IEP meeting I was the final signer for 12 years 100 kids a year. Wow. So I've seen a lot of IEP meetings and 504 meetings. But what I also saw were a lot of people, a lot of kids, even in the New York City schools that were just not getting the help they needed. They weren't getting the support they needed. And every day, now I understand my own ADHD, what was happening, Hmm. that empath, you know, I was like pained for them. And I didn't know why it was so painful for me. Mm-hmm. And I met, my sister met a, somebody who said she was an ADHD coach. And at that time, you know, this is like um, 15 years ago, I thought, oh, you know, coaching, I, it's one of those things that somebody wakes up in the morning, I think I'll be a coach today. <laughs> I really had that in my head. And here we go, limiting beliefs that yes. were like stopping me from 
exploring other career ideas. I was so, no, 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 that's mm. not for me, you know? And I finally met this woman and it was, you know, spoke to her for hours and I said, wow, this is really great. And so that's when I started looking into coaching and just went from there. Six years ago, I quit teaching. I retired, so which is good. So I still have medical insurance. I still, (laughs) and I say this, you know, my mother started her business when she was 55. I started my business at 55 and there's no reason why you can't. I agree. And moved to, so we decided that we couldn't afford to stay in New York on one salary. There was no way, you know, and you have to make those decisions. So I moved to Florida, which I love. I live in Boca Raton, Florida. I live five miles from the beach and I started my home business six years ago. And now it's just grown. It's just become. That's amazing. And I want to dig into a little bit more. I mean, you've talked about so much that I may have to have another one with you later. (laughs) It's just, wow, your history is so wonderful, Lynn. But I want to dig into the ADHD piece first. So you did share with us that you have known about ADHD throughout your life for different reasons, but why did you specifically decide to get tested? Mm. Well, I had been battling anxiety and depression since I'm a little girl. Mm -hmm. I remember the dentist when I was like seven saying to my mother, you know, your daughter grinds her teeth and that she's very, very anxious and nervous. And my mother said, oh, that's ridiculous. My mother is a very strict, Mm -hmm. strict lady. But I remember so many things through my life that were just very hard very tragic, and still to this day are hard for me, like writing or public speaking, which I love, but I get anxious, so I forget what I'm going to say. And all of this started to come together, and I went to doctors. I even, you know, I remember going through 9-11. I lived on Long Island Mm. during 9-11. I watched the buildings burn from my backyard. And even going to the best professional in the world still said, here's anxiety, depression, you know, here are your meds. Bye. See ya. Like no clue, not even bringing it up. So I put it aside for a while. I did had a lot of other things to mm-hmm. work on. And then I went to a Chad conference about 10 years ago and went to see Dr. Ellen Lippman talk about her brand new book about ADHD in in girls and women. Okay. At the time it was brand new. The research was brand new. And I sat and listened to her and watched her slides as she talked about the results of the research and just cried. I said, holy crap, that's me. Mm -hmm. I cried and cried. But I never did anything about it because I was an ADHD coach. I was too embarrassed. Isn't that wild? I was so embarrassed about it. And I didn't realize, you know, exactly how it was impacting my life until about three years ago, you know, three years into my home business journey, did it go, whoa, I cannot do this. How am I going to run a home business? I'm like frozen. I've got to do something. And then I turned to my adult friend who, you know, who, you know, asking, I need a referral. And I walked in the door and she said, oh, yeah, there's no doubt. 
And my friend Jill, who's an ADHD coach, Jill Linkoff, who I love, when I told her, she said, yeah, no, duh. Like, of course, we all know that. I'm like, well, nobody told me. (laughs) So it was quite an epiphany, but I fought it. I fought it for a long time. And now I understand why other women do, too. And why do you think that you fought it? I mean, what was in you? Because you're right. There are so many people, whether it is stigma, but just for you, why did you fight it? I guess because it's, you know, those beliefs that I've heard all my life from my mother or from whoever, my family or my friends, you're so successful. You've done so much. You've done, you're amazing. I mean, those master's degrees and work, and of course you don't have anything like that. And, you know, that was kind of interesting, you know, is, you know, that, I really, I thought, I didn't really fight it, but it really, I pretended like it wasn't getting in the way that bad. Yeah. And, you know, and my really, six, oh, and then ahead. I realized my eight cups of coffee in the morning were helping. <laughs> right. 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 Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, maybe that's why I had to have a whole pot in the morning. Yeah. Which I don't do anymore. <laughs> which yes. is good. Yeah. And that's really interesting to hear you say that because that is a very common thread with women, especially successful women. And they don't realize it until maybe they're going off to college or maybe, like you said, they're owning their own business. And all of a sudden they feel this overwhelming feeling. It's just too much. Right. And so for me, it was validation because I just got diagnosed last year at 45 And it was validation because it helped me connect the dots with all the things I was struggling with, even though I did pretty well in school. So, yeah, so it's just it's amazing to hear so many women talk about trying to say, no, I don't believe it's really happening. But then others, once they realize that they truly have ADHD, being able to connect to the reasons why they have it. So, yeah, 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 it's it's. It's been a really interesting journey. And I think it's, I mean, it's added a lot to me, in my opinion, to my practice, to what I do, you know, completely. Exactly. Exactly. What has changed for you since you got your diagnosis? Hmm. A lot. (laughs) Uh, I don't impulsively eat like I used to. So I've lost some weight and that could be from meds, but I think it's, I think that a lot of women have eating issues that are part of ADHD. And I think that for me, it was always about, I was very, I knew the healthy foods to eat. I knew how to do it, but I just had that impulse. I couldn't stop grabbing that one more donut. You know, I just couldn't say no to it. And I think that really was a big part of my ADHD. I couldn't, you know, I see myself changing that way. Um, It's been hard and easy. You know, it's a lot of reflection. A lot of memories are coming back. You know, I had to deal with some things that were really scary. And Mm. COVID was really this whole past year, just the the unknown, just rocked my world mm-hmm. and was really hard. But again, I feel like I have a different type of 
empathy, a different type of feeling now for my clients and the people that I work with. And that's been the best part, I guess. So I'm just feel it, you know, I can connect, I get it. That is awesome. So if someone is struggling, whether they should decide to get tested or go after testing or not, what would your advice be to them? I would say go for sure and find out. I think that, you know, there's still, and you know, Kina, you see this all the time. There's so much stigma out there still. I get it. And there's a lot of still, a lot of stigma about the meds. And a lot of people think that they're going to go to a doctor and they're going to be prescribed medication. And I think there's a lot of fear about that for a lot of people. And I remember when I was 40 and my doctor said, you have to take Synthroid. Or I remember the first time I had, they told me I had to wear glasses. It was like, oh, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> right? I remember that. Yes. Like, oh, no. Or Synthroid. What? What? I'm only 40. I have to take this for the a, a pill for the rest of my life. I don't want to take any pills. So we kind of are brainwashed in a way that it's bad to take medicine. We shouldn't take medicine only when you really need to, you know, there's a lot of limiting beliefs that float around us everywhere. And they're in our face all the time on the internet or family, our culture, you know, we have to fight that. I remember I sat in a lot of IEP meetings where, you know, people would say, I can't tell my mother and my cousins and my aunts that my kid has ADHD because they will make fun of us. They will not believe us. They won't. So there's a lot there. Um, but I would say for women that absolutely, because I think a lot of women are misdiagnosed a lot and they're taking the wrong medication. If they are, if they're really fighting anxiety and depression, that's legitimate. But if you're also have ADHD, then that the doctor needs right. to do it a little different. Right. And I want women to know, or young people also, you know, even teenagers, that just because you get a diagnosis doesn't mean you have to take medication. That shouldn't, if you go to an expert, that should not be the first line of defense. In fact, every medical doctor will tell you that's an expert in ADHD is that should not be the first thing you do. There are so many other things we can do before medication. So, you know, I want people to know that, that they do have options. And if they don't like what the doctor said, they can go to another doctor, right. but find a doctor who's a specialist. Because what I do here is people going to like a regular doctor there and their doctor saying, yeah, I, I kind of think you have ADHD. Here's some Adderall. It happens all the time. And that I don't agree with that. I think is very, is not good. So I think it's really important that people go to a really good expert that knows it and gets the right treatment. Because I went through with my child, dialectical behavior therapy, cognitive behavior therapy. I know the benefits of those therapies. I understand the benefit of exercise, sleep, water, diet. How do you think I got through 55 years? <laughs> I was a gymnast. I was a dancer. I was physical. So yeah, I definitely think that adults, I, I think they need to know who they are. I can't imagine 
not knowing now. Right. Right. Like, it, why wouldn't you want to know who, mm-hmm. what's going on with you? Right. Right. The alternate seems uncomfortable to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that we're here and we're more open about it, but to your point, again, there's still so many people who are afraid to talk about it and mm-hmm. share. And I, I just think I was in a different position growing up because my mother was always so very open. You know, we did mm. not hide things as a family. Now, my dad was a little less open, but my mom was very open about health situations. She just was and always has been. She feels like people should know just in case, right? So that rubbed off on me. So that's why I'm so open about it, but it's not typical. And to your point, they are so many people who are hiding it. And that's why we're here to help them be a little bit more proud of what's going on with them yes. and their children. And we'll eventually talk about this later, but you know, the, as kids go into college, they need to know. See, when I was in, in the middle school, I made sure those 12, 13 and 14 year olds were in the meeting. They need to know what's going on with them. We can't hide it. We're doing a disservice by hiding it from young people and by sheltering them. And, oh, we don't want them to be labeled and we want to protect them from bullies. I think you need to let kids know. Yeah, It's just, I use glasses because it's the same thing. It's a, it's a neurological thing. You need to wear glasses. Your eyes are not as good as the other kids' eyes. But that doesn't mean you're not as good or smart or pretty or capable. You're just wearing glasses. And that's what I try to do with the kids is just explain it to them like that. Like it's just something that you have to know about and know yourself. Love it. I love that, Lynn. So now let's move into the career side. So I want you mm. to hear your comments around this. So one thing that I've heard is there's a lot, uh, a lot from the ADHD community is what type of career should I get into because of my ADHD brain? Or I hear from parents that they want to help guide their children Mm -hmm. as they're trying to figure out where they should go. So how do you handle those type of topics? Yeah, and they're big topics. And I've done a lot of my own research to learn about this because there aren't very, uh, I don't know any other ADHD coaches now today that I hope there'll be more when this airs that are also trained as career coaches. There are a lot of ADHD coaches that know about careers and human Mm -hmm. resources, but I mean, the actual career development process, I think we've missed it with ADHD people because with ADHD, you know, they're impulsive. They pick the first shiny object they see and go for it. And that's it. So back when ADHD was first hyperactive little boys, there were a lot of experts that were saying, well, these are certain careers that are going to be perfect for you. Mm. You know, you not sitting at a desk, you know, something where you're working with your hands and you can't get bored. And I hear, I heard it all the time for a very long time. And I even look back at some of my older books and notes, and it's even in there. Mm. The experts really thought that there were jobs for people with ADHD and jobs they couldn't do, you know, like a desk job. And I always crack up because I hear that all the time. I don't want a desk job. I have ADHD. And I'm like, ha ha, we all have a desk job now. <laughs> right. 
I used to, even before COVID, I would say, what job isn't the best job? <laughs> you know, like lawyer is a desk job. Right. But um, a lot of people were going into law thinking that it was just like it was on TV. Uh-uh. And so I think that those were all kind of misconceptions and it wasn't that they were myths because they were actually writing, but the experts were writing about it. So I don't want to say that they were wrong. I'm saying that we've learned a lot in the last mm-hmm. 20 years. And what we do know is that people with ADHD can do anything they want to do, anything, if they're motivated, if they're interested. Right. Now, there are some careers that they can't do, just like there are some careers that I couldn't do. I couldn't do a job that required me to lift heavy boxes. But that doesn't mean I'm any less of a person. Right. So, yeah, there are things that ADHDers might not want to do because of their ADHD. And that's okay, too, because you have to decide what suits you. And also the other thing is that if you have severe ADHD and you need those meds every day, and we know we're on a continuum and we know it's a bell curve of symptoms and, or an umbrella, whatever you want, you know? And so it really depends if you have ADHD or the other co-occurring, you know, side conditions, it can really get in the way of your career. And that's something you have to know yourself. Well, what you can and cannot do. And also there are certain careers that absolutely you cannot have take any medication, even if it is ADHD meds. And that becomes a challenge for a lot of people too. But that's it. Hmm. That's all the restrictions we have. The sky's the limit. Yeah. And and I agree with that. I mean, I think about all the things that I've done in my, you know, 45 years. And like you said, I've had desk jobs and been very successful. I have a technically a desk job now, (laughs) right? And yes. so, yeah, it's, it isn't, it's just what that person, like you said, what the person wants to do and to what's be honest, motivated, what they're yeah, yeah. Right. And to be honest, it may be two or three tries down the road, right? Some people oh. will change and they have to be okay with that too. I mean, don't get me wrong. There was a point where I said, okay, now I need to be stable. <laughs> right. But until I got to that point, I tried a few things throughout my life. So, yeah. yeah. And so. that's the way to learn. And that's the important thing that parents need to understand. It is huge. Kids need to try things. They need yeah. to try it to see if they like it. So one of my favorite stories is about, you know, I told you I'm a big Temple Grandin yes. fan. And because of my master's, I did a big report on her. And then I did my thesis on twice exceptional kids. And, you know, I just, uh, just anything that was Temple Grand and I soaked up because she's so smart and so intuitive about the way people think. And I got to meet her. She was here in Florida three years ago. And I waited in line to a huge line. I bought some of her books and she signed them. And I told her what I do. And she said, okay, this is what you need to know. (laughs) And then she spoke to the parents and what she said to me and to everybody and Lynn, you got to spread the word is that especially kids that are on the autism spectrum, Mm. but even the ADHD kids, 
they're not going to know what they like and what they don't like until they do it. So we, as parents, you have to let your kids experience things from a very young age without judgment. But even simple things like how to turn the hose on, disconnect the hose, water the plants. You know, there's a lot of research that shows household chores are a great way for kids to learn about responsibilities and, and different things they can do. But kids need to work and understand the value of earning money Mm -hmm. and earning things that they want. Mm -hmm. And they need to communicate with people. And I think that You know, I know my mother from a very young age, you know, if I wanted more dance classes, she would say, earn it and figure it out. (laughs) And I did. I went to the dance instructor. I said, I want to take more dance classes. Is there something I can do to to earn that? And she goes, yeah, you know what? We need somebody to answer the phones, right? We have to let Mm -hmm. kids help the neighbors, do stuff, collect newspapers, whatever. We have to get them out there, handing out cups of water at 5K runs. Because the more we expose our kids to things, the more they can discover what their passions are. Yeah, I love that. So into the parent guiding them, I mean, how do you feel about them truly trying to guide them into a particular career. So I I understand that they need to experience, you know, different things, but parents still want to guide their children and help them. Yeah. (laughs) I think it can be very dangerous to do that. I've seen the repercussions. I get the clients in their thirties and forties that come to me and tell me the stories about how their parents insisted they went to medical school, mm, mm-hmm. insisted they became an engineer, insisted that they become one client of mine. He went through a whole major in criminology because his mother said that you should be a police officer because uh, you'll have great benefits. And he said, okay, guess I'll do that. <laughs> and when he, so he went through school to <laughs> And did criminology, you know, went to school, went to school. And then he came to me, couldn't get in the police department for many reasons. And what do I do? And when I worked with him on his interests, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even a like, it wasn't even on his radar of interests. And that's, you know, we have to be careful. People, you know, people with ADHD need to be motivated. If we're forcing young people into careers that they don't love, they're going to be unhappy and they're going to be remembering this. They're going to remember why they're doing what they're doing. I agree with that. I also, yeah, this, and I also think that parents, we, we want the best from them. I hear it all the time. I hear, you know, you don't want to wind up on the street. You don't want to be poor. How are you going to buy a house? How are you going to? All of that is adding so much pressure and stress to kids that, and we know what's happening with their ADHD. They're shutting down. Right. It's overwhelmed. And when parents are like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And this is what I see too, is that the kids are going to college and all they're hearing is, what are you going to do? What's your major? What, what job are you going to get? What's your career? How are you going to make money? And 
with their ADHD, they have so much anxiety about the future anyway. Yeah. I mean, if you say the word adulting career, they'll be under the covers and won't be even be able to study. So we're sort of, we're really setting our kids up for failure by putting all that pressure on them about their career. Let them, they'll be okay. They'll be okay. They will all find their way. They will be okay. And we have, and here's the other thing. This is, I feel this way personally because I experienced this. I grew up in a very mixed neighborhood in my life. I was fortunate. My kids weren't so fortunate because of my ex-husband, where he lived and worked, was not so mixed. And there was a lot of peer pressure for him not to become a firefighter or a police Mm. officer. And I never said that to him ever from a little little boy. I want to be a firefighter or a police officer. One day he said, I wanted to be a lim- I want to be a limousine driver. Okay. I'd say, well, what does that look like? What would it, what would you do? Well, I would have a big fleet. I would hire a bunch. Of, you never know. <laughs> he right. had a whole business nice. in his mind. <laughs> you know, he said limousine driver and most parents would go, Oh, forget it. Don't yeah. do that. Right. Right. That's our instinct is to protect our kids from the terrible job career choices they make. We can't. We have to let them experience. And you know what? They're going to have things that they like and things that they don't like. It's okay. Like you said, you had to try a few things first. But with my kid, I never said, no, you can't do that. Or in this neighborhood, it's not accepted for Mm -hmm. you to Mm -hmm. be a firefighter. You have to go into STEM, your science, technology, engineering, mathematics, right? STEM, STEM, STEM. And he's like, no, no, no. I want to do that. And I never said no. I always, oh, okay. So let's see. Let's see if there's a program. And sure enough, there was a program, volunteer program. He was 13, where he could volunteer at the police department on the weekends and wash the trucks and and that's and sure enough that that's been his passion and it still is. Oh wow. And if I had said to him, you can't do that, can you imagine if I had said that to him? Oh I could. He'll remember. Your your mm-hmm. kids will remember you yeah, telling do. them you can't do that. You won't be able to do that. You're not going to be good at that. We have to be very, very careful how we, you know, raise our kids. Right. And we have to get them out of the house. (laughs) There's, I can't believe how many college, college students I meet that have never had a job. (laughs) They've never volunteered. I'm shocked. So we have to, we have to push, get them, you know, try it out. Exactly. And it's so funny you said that. <laughs> so you're probably thinking about your own kids and how you grow up, right? Well, and that's what my mom has always been, or she has always prepared me. And my dad used to joke how she says she's really making you independent at a very young age, but it worked. It really worked because I was yeah. ready to go. And I was ready to stand on my two feet. And I knew they were a phone call away if I needed something. And then I say the same thing to my children. I said, we're preparing you to actually move out. 
like you gotta go at some point right but um so so lend to your point though again i was very blessed i mean my parents basically said for all my life i wanted to be a dancer and an actor all the way through my junior year and they were like okay they said that's fine and I came, I went to a women's and engineering program and fell in love and then decided in 11th grade that I was going to go be an engineer. (laughs) And so I became an engineer. But what was funny is recently, I literally recently, I asked my mom and I said, what were you thinking when I said I wanted to be an actress and a dancer? She says, I was just thinking, whatever. So we'll just figure out how to get you there. Right. And that's the type Mm. of support kids need. And that's the same support I give my kids. Even when they're starting small, I say, um, I'm preparing you for college or to own your own business someday. Right. I'm just, some people are very successful just getting out into the world and starting something. And so I'm, I'm okay. And I'm flexible with them. So I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah. And, and also, if I can add, we have to nurture the arts and talent. Yes. Yep. And I think <laughs> that, you know, if you have a kid that's got a talent like Michael Phelps or Justin Timberlake or Adam Levine, <laughs> um, oh, I'm trying to think, and the other little gymnast, um, her name I'm just blanking on her name the gymnast she also has ADHD along with Michael Phelps and Justin and Adam you know if if somebody had said to Michael Phelps you know no 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 you can't swim you have ADHD you know that's not good enough how are you going to make a living that's not a good you know imagine so we have to nurture and parents have to notice the talent, especially with ADHD kids, because they're probably exceptionally talented in some area and they don't know it and you don't know it and it lights them up and it is magical. Whether or not they do it as a career, who cares? We need to give them that sense of success, feeling good, you know, it doesn't matter what major you have in college. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. It matters what kind of a person you are, what your experiences are, what you did, what you know that you liked, what you know that you didn't like. That's what matters for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to talk about ADHD Job Squad. So tell us okay. a little bit about that and what services do you provide? So ADHD, I actually had been thinking about doing something like ADHD Job Squad for about five years, <laughs> planning, you know, like an online course, you know, you hear about, okay, what else can I do? And then when the, when COVID hit, it was really shocking for me. I mean, it still is, you know, that feeling and, uh, you know, uh, my ADHD was pretty bad. I was definitely yeah. very, very, very concerned. And for, I was concerned for my family. Um, I shared that with you. Yeah. You know, my son was police officer, my brother-in-law, my daughter. You know, there was a lot of stuff going on. So I, so I realized there were so many people that needed help, Yakini, and I didn't know how to help all of them. I was a one-on-one coach. Mm. I was a career coach, you know, that I worked one-on-one and we went through whatever their path was. So I really just hustled. 
I took out loans from the government, the PPP loans, and hired some people and said, I got to make this happen right now because people are out of work. And people in ADHD didn't know what to do. And they were, and I was watching, I was, you know, we were talking about Tracy Atsuka and she has this huge Facebook group and of ADHD women. And I was on there and she would even text me and say, Lynn, did you see what they said? Did you see what they said about careers? And they were just in pain. They didn't know who to talk to. Mm. They didn't know what, where to go for advice, where to go for tips, who to, who to talk to, who would understand. And I said, uh oh, we with big problems. So I just hired some people and I had all the material, which is getting it. So ADHD Job Squad is like a nut, it's a, you know, I got the trademark. It's a website. It has group coaching. And I do coaching from learning about different careers. So I started age 18. What are careers? How do you decide what they are? How to get organized? How to get started? You know, what's your time management? What are your goals? Then I help them through the career development path because there is a path. There is a path, but most people with ADHD take the first job they're offered. (laughs) Most people have skipped over that path. (laughs) And the path is learning about yourself, your interests, values, your strengths, your aptitudes, you know, what you like and what you don't like. And then the second part is learning about different careers, being open to exploring what they are and what they aren't. Most young people come to me and I'll say, oh, so what do you want to do? I want to be a private investigator. And I'll say, oh, why that? And, you know, without judgment, it's a coaching question. And they said, because I saw it on TV, it looked really cool. So young people need to be exposed to a lot of different careers and really learn about. So anyway, going back to ADHD Job Squad is I put together a website that has in it a course. Okay. So they could take the course. They can go step by step. It mirrors my one-on-one coaching. Nice. They can do it on their own. It's much more affordable. I also have a private community that supports all those people as they go through the course. I also do small group coaching, six people for eight weeks. And I do one-on-one coaching. And then I also do workshops. So I do live workshops um, about certain subjects, you know, your LinkedIn profile and things like that. So it was just, it's everything in one place. And I picked Job Squad because, you know, this is before your time. If people know the Mod Squad, if they've ever heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I know the Mod Squad. <laughs> it ages me, right? But it's okay. It's retro. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. I know. Um, so the Mod Squad was this really cool group of three people and no guns. If you go, if you read about it, it's really interesting in the late 60s, you know, when there was so much unrest in the country Mm. and they were like, oh, no, we're all about peace, love, no guns, and we're going to support young people. And I thought, oh, that's it. The mod squad. We're going to have the job squad. Nice. So that's how I named it. Love it. I love that. So how can people get more information about you or if they have any more questions, how can they reach you? 
So they can reach me at info at ADHDjobsquad.com or info at lmrcoaching.com. And then I also, I'm on Instagram, Clubhouse, Twitter, with the handle at ADHD Coach Lynn. I'm on LinkedIn as Lynn Minor Rosen. And I have a free Facebook group that's like an open community called ADHD Job Squad Community. So they can jump in and meet me there. Perfect. And I'll make sure to put all of that in the comments. And so just wrapping things up, is there any type of resources that you have used to help your journey? So be it podcasts, YouTube channels, or books, can you share? Yes, I love books. I'm a <laughs> book person. I actually brought, I have them here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this is for the young parents because I get a lot, what should I do? I want to help my kid. I want to give them direction. I started reading books about careers, the Bernstein Bears, to my kids very, very, very young. But I never judged the careers. I would just talk talk about them. This is another book that's a little older, maybe middle school, high school. Um, What is it called for a podcast? (laughs) It's called The Graphic Guide to Finding the Perfect Job for You. Careers. It's careers. And it's a book that like has a whole bunch of careers, uh, management consultant, real estate agent, store manager, journalist, writer, and it ex- explains the job description, the skills needed, what type of career paths you can take. And it's it's really great for like a middle school, high school kid. It's not, yes. it's not like dumbed down for them. It's really adult-like but they can see what a lawyer does, gotcha. you know, read about it. So that's one of the books that I really love. The other one is for college students. College students are really hard to give advice to. So I warn the parents, very, very difficult to give them advice. So there's a little tiny paperback. <laughs> I'm looking for it. so small. It's perfect for college students. It's called uh, The Roadmap to Your Job. by Trevor Morgan. And it's 90 pages. That's it. And that's all the advice that parents should give their college students about careers. That's it. They should stop 18. No more career advice. Mm. Give them the little book and wish them the best. And if they want to talk about careers, we have to talk about it with them, but no judgment, you know, like none of your personal. And, but the other thing that parents can do is say, Hey, you know, uncle Joe is a CPA. You know, how about if you talk to uncle Joe for half an hour and see what his job is like, or go spend a day with him. Yeah. See if you like it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the best thing. And then the other book that I think is one of the best books, but I know there's a lot of parents that haven't read it, but they should. And it is this book, Stressed Years of Their Lives, Helping mm. Your Kids Survive and Thrive During Their College Years by Dr. Hibbs and Dr. Rostain. Love it. I met Dr. Rostain a couple of years ago at the Chad conference. This is a hard read for parents. This is a real zip it book. But the science, it is important that parents understand how the, the anxiety of college and the money that their parents are spending is affecting how their kids are doing at school. 
Hmm. And their choices. Parents need to read this because the pressure and anxiety that kids are facing right now and last year, they, you know, to, to add on, okay, now you have to think about your career, right? That they're having a very, it's very, very, very difficult time. Perfect. It's going to help parents. I don't know if you, have you read that book? I haven't read that one. Oh, you should, that's, you should download it, get on a treadmill and, and they talk a lot about coaching, how the benefit of coaching, but it also talks about how we have to communicate to our young kids about who they are. You know, Mm -hmm. we can't hide it from them. You can't hide their ADHD from them. Mm, I love. We have to empower them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I've been yakking away. So any last minute thoughts, any last minute comments that you want to share with the audience to close it up? My thing, I'm just, I'm so thankful for people like you that are doing this, that are having these kinds of platforms where you can share information with people. We just need to support each other as much as we can. I agree. I agree with that. And I enjoy it. I've just met so many wonderful people and heard so many fantastic stories and how even ADHD interacts with so many entities. So yeah, it's just been a wonderful experience. So thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. All right. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you everyone for joining another episode of the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you liked today's episode, please do not forget to leave a review. Have a wonderful day. Bye, Lynn. Bye. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.